a little Steve Urkel shout out for all of you who heard Family Matters, and that's the first thing you thought of, right? Also, a quick, that was a quick visual illustration of what I hope happens over the next few weeks that um, got not literally. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, keep your clothes on. <laughs> right? but, but, that, but that God would maybe blow away some of the things that we think that we know about family and maybe shift our thinking just a little bit. Some things that are going to happen, hopefully every week, it's really up to you. Um, I'm hoping that we have people that will share stories, testimonies, just give us an insight into where you are, because that, that allows us to get to know one another a little bit better, because family matters, right? So I don't see this as a series where we talk about um, rules, and well, if you're in a, you better do these things. No, this is, a, this is a series that God is just pausing our church and reminding us that in the kingdom, family matters. And if it doesn't, we have really misunderstood kingdom. Um, so this morning, um, Alex Player is going to come. He's, he's asked a couple, like what, about a month ago, a month and a half ago. He's like, man, I would just love to come and just share with the church and just thank the church. I'm going to let you tell them all the reasons why you're thanking the church, probably because they're awesome. Um, but I want you just to welcome Alex to the platform. Uh, good morning. Uh, this is a good kind of follow up with what you're saying about how family matters. Because uh, I just wanted to come and uh, say thank you to the gathering for being a family to me and to my family while I was deployed. I've been back for a few months now and uh, I apologize for not doing this sooner. Uh, life's just crazy with me and with my family. But uh, I am truly appreciative of everything that you guys have done. If you didn't know that, uh, while I was gone every week, the gathering had two meals provided to my family every week that I was gone for five months. And that is truly a blessing because my wife is at home being the true warrior. I'm off doing work, but she's off at home with four kids trying to raise them, trying to feed them, trying to teach them to follow God. And that can be a difficult thing in this world. And I just wanted to uh, say thank you to the gathering for that because you, sh you sh have shown us that family truly matters ever since we joined it back in the coffee shop. Uh, you've always been there for our family and taking care of us. Um, but I just wanted to say that, and then I've got a few uh, pictures uh, from my uh, deployment just to give you guys, or show you guys the experience that I kind of uh, went through, or got to experience. So I was in Africa. I was stationed in uh, Djibouti. Africa. This was out as we were heading to the range, just one of the camels. Uh, so it, they are in Africa. They're there. So uh, next slide. Uh, this is just traveling down the road. So we would travel back and forth to the range uh, when we were going out. And this is just one of the uh, cool hotels that I've seen driving by. Next slide. All right. So that hotel looked cool, but this is really what you see out there. This is, this is how they're living. This is driving down the road, plenty, plenty of shacks built on top of each other that they're, they're living, these families are living in, in this, these slums. And it's just a humbling to see just another shack out in the middle of nowhere. These people would live in these mountains in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know how they were surviving uh, without as much water as you would need out in this hot desert. Like, it was pretty impressive to see. Next slide. Uh, this is one of the buses that you would see them traveling around in. They drive like crazy all over the place. 
and that those buses would be packed full of people just trying to get back and forth to work or wherever it is they were going throughout the day. Next slide. Again, just another picture of the villages that they had there. Next slide. So this is a video as we were coming back from the range. Uh, you can see off to the side some of the kids playing soccer. Uh, I literally seen kids kicking around. Uh, I, don't even, I think it was a tennis ball or something. Like they don't, they don't have anything. Anything they can find, they were going to use to try and play with. But it's just impressive to see that in the desperation that they have, they still can find joy in all this. And uh, one of the villages that we would always travel through. Uh, back and forth to the range had uh, some speed bumps along the way and we'd have to slow down to go through it and as we would slow down we, the teenagers would run and jump into the back of our trucks and steal whatever they could out of the back of our trucks so obviously we kept nothing expensive back there but we would keep our keep the mill MREs they're called mills ready to eat in the back and they would grab those and they would take them and jet off running and I didn't really care because they needed it more than us, but that just shows you their desperation. As we're traveling down the road, these kids are jumping in the back of our trucks, grabbing whatever they can to get out. Uh, next slide. This was when we were in Kenya, uh, just playing uh, soccer with some of the Kenyan Air Force. Next slide. Uh, Kenya was a lot more beautiful place than uh, Djibouti was, but uh, there were still slums. like. As we were traveling into town, it was slums butted up right next to big cities. Next slide. This is uh, me going out on a jump, but the big thing was this shirt right here. Uh, next slide. I was able to share with people about how family matters by the Power family and how they've impacted my life and my family's life. It's been about 12 years now, 11 years now, that me and my family went through our darkest time in our life. And the Parra family was right there with us. If it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for Nehemiah, I don't even know if we'd be back together or we'd be even in this uh, town anymore. So I want to say a big thank you to Nehemiah and Renee for what they did in our lives. And I was able to take that message and share that with those there because I was able to wear that shirt and they were asking me about it. So I was able to share the Christ that was in Renee and Nehemiah to those around me. Next slide. This was just a picture of the mountain range. This is the mountain ranges that they would live out in the middle of nowhere. Like we would be driving through these canyons and you would just see these families on the side of a mountain with their goats just hanging out. Next slide. This is one of the individuals that lived in those mountains. He came out and they would walk for, for miles just to get to the ranges where the Americans were gonna be while we would be shooting and stuff like that. They would come out and try and sell us stuff. As you can see the Coke bottles and stuff laying around, they would try and sell stuff just to, get, just to make money to be able to survive. Uh, and this guy had a uh, large gash on the bottom of his foot and our medic was there and he was able to treat him when he came out. Next slide. That's just another view. These people are desperate. They're desperate. And the biggest thing that I can say, the reason that I'm showing you these slides is because I just want us all to remember that we are truly blessed in this country. We are blessed beyond imagine. And 
I don't know if y'all struggle with it like I do, but I have struggles with selfishness and denying myself every day and taking up my cross is, is tough for me. And I just, I believe that's why Christ has given me this job and sent me to these places is for me to remember, hey, you are not the most important thing in this world. You are here to do, be a purpose and to share God's love with these people. Now, we may not be able to go across the country and be able to share that with everybody else, but God has placed us all into specific locations to be able to share God's love with those at work, with those at home, with our own family. Our family is the one that sees our true self. So are we truly shining the light of Christ to our family and to those around us? That's how we're going to start impacting and multiplying the church is by impacting those closest by to us and then let them impact it and continue to uh, move on down the road. So that's, what, that's all I wanted to show you for the pictures, but I just wanted to, I, I'm not trying to call everybody out, but I'm calling myself out with you guys. I want us to be out and going and reaching those that we can around us to be an example of Christ. And for me, I forgot it. Uh, in my rush this morning with our family. I had a flag that I carried on all of my missions, all of the jumps, everything, everywhere we went, I had a flag that I'm going to present to the church. I apologize that I forgot that. Uh, but I will bring it, and I'll give it to Pastor. And uh, I just want to, again, say thank you for everything that y'all have done. This church is very supportive. They do so many things behind the scenes. You might not see it, but the weight and the burden that Pastor Paul carries, I can't imagine how much it is. And I just want to say thank you again for this. So good. Um, Alex, thank you for your service. Who else serves? <clears throat> who else serves or has served in the military? Would you stand up? Can, thank you. Um, and if you, it's been a while back, but if you took a meal to the players, would you stand up? If you cooked a meal, took it to them, would you stand up? Thank you. I was standing, but I didn't cook a meal. Um, one, one of the reasons my stories are so important, and I know some of y'all, if you're not into sports, you get sick of my, sport, my sporting stories, but it is part of my life. So um, I'm a Gamecock fan because I'm married into Gamecock country, South Carolina Gamecocks. And um, Lou Holtz is one of, the, one of the better college football coaches that's ever been around. He went to South Carolina, and in his first year, I think they went 1-10 and 10 or something. It was, they won one game and lost all the rest. It was terrible. And then in the next season, they completely turned it around. They went from worst to first. They won their division. It was a miracle, right? And in Columbia, South Carolina, like, it was rocking. People were into it. And so, of course, when you have a success story like that, people will come and they'll ask the coach, what did you do? And the reason they're asking that is because they want to take it back to their school and have the same turnaround story, right? And he said, well, we really didn't do that much different between the season that we only won one game and the season that we won the division, except – as we were having spring football practice, every day we had to sit, you know, we always go to the cafeteria and we'd eat lunch in the cafeteria. And I would just point at somebody and say, hey, you don't really do this. It's okay. But, hey, stand up and tell the, tell the team your story. 
And he said, you'd get these big, huge, like six foot three, 270 pound linemen would stand up and start talking about their childhood, their family, their city, and they would start to share stories and cry. And he said, all that happened was as we shared stories through spring ball around a table, we just began to bond. And so when we got out on the field together, we weren't just playing to win a game. We were playing with and for one another. We had each other's back. And one of the things that I hope happens is that in this series, as you hear from Alex, as you see people stand up and say, well, I was in the service, as you begin to identify people in this church, that you'll also go, wait a second, like I'm, I connect with that, right? And you'll begin to feel that same strengthening. That's one reason why we're going to share stories. Now, this morning, um, the first, the first uh, sermon of the series, and so, you know, those are always very foundational. Um, I, I was thinking, it's, it's probably a curse of pastors, but, like, I only want to say a few things, but I feel like it's going to take me a lot of words to say those few things. <laughs> so I promise I will try to talk quickly if you will lean in closely. Um, I'll try not to add more than to the scriptures than need to be added, right? Because God's word is alive and powerful. I want to make sure that I say one very important statement, and I'm going to ask you one very important question, okay? And I'll tell you when those are happening. Are you good? You need to wake the person up next to you? Okay, they're good. Number one, family creates baggage and causes pain. Somebody say, oh my we went there, didn't we? We're starting right there because, and here's why. When I say we're doing a series called Family Matters, everybody in this room has a different reaction to the word family. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, it does, and my family was awesome. And some of you are like, well, I think it's supposed to, but my family was terrible. All of us bring baggage from our family of origin into this whole concept of family in the kingdom. And so I just want you, I, I want to acknowledge that right up front. Family creates baggage and causes pain. And I wanted to put family sometimes creates baggage and sometimes causes pain. But if you've been in a family, do you know that's not true? It always creates baggage and it always causes pain. Now, we're going to talk through the payoff of family, because if, if that's all family did, we should just stop right now. But I just want to acknowledge in this room that some of us are going to struggle right up front just getting past the baggage. So to help you with that, I brought some weird family pictures. They're not my family pictures because we don't have that level of relationship yet. We really do, but I just didn't want to bring my family pictures. But I think we got five. Let's just show some of these family pictures. I want you to see, like, families do weird things, right? Just, I don't know. I mean, obviously, somebody had the color coordination thing going on, but I'm not sure about the leg clinging. I have no idea. But somebody in the family was like, let's do this. This will be awesome, and it's awkward, right? We got a couple more. There's so much in this picture that I don't understand. Like, Cujo in the picture twice. And then, like, why are they laughing? Why are the two on the outside laughing that the one on the inside is going to be killed? I don't even know where to go with that. Just, again, family causes pain, creates baggage, right? A couple more. I know mullets are back. I don't know why. But they are. 
you know, I should have asked, is this anybody's picture in the church? <laughs> not not going to identify that now. That kid had counseling, no doubt. He's cute. He's cute. But that hair is, wow. Wow, that was next. I think we have two more. How many of you do Christmas jammies as a family? Raise your hand. Okay. I mean, it's fine. I I have no words. Let's just do the last one. So I, I hesitated to show this one because it's just so, I don't know. I don't know how, I, I just, I don't know. Hey, kids, let's get a family picture, and we'll go to a place where they'll also superimpose behind us a picture of me about to kiss your mom, and you'll have that to cherish forever. I, I don't, but like that's a, like a legit family did that. Now, I show you all those pictures. I told you I wanted to give you one statement, ask you one question. Here's the one statement. If you're a note taker, please write this down. Just because it's your normal doesn't mean it is normal. We just saw five beautiful examples, right? Just because it's your normal doesn't mean it is normal. Now, this is a series about family and kingdom, but if we just pause here, I'll just give you some really quick marriage and family counseling. What you were raised to think was normal might not match what your spouse was raised to think was normal, and therein lies the struggle of marriage. You have to figure out what is actually normal. Not what we compromise on, but what is actually normal. And what we're going to learn in this series is that family is a kingdom concept. And the kingdom's definition of family, that's what's normal. So we got to bring, bring our stuff, our baggage, and we have to like lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, teach me what kingdom family is about. That's the new normal, right? So that's, that's the first thing we're going to do. So here's the second thing I want you to know. Family is part of God's purpose. Family creates baggage. It causes pain, but it's part of God's purpose. I'm going to read you a lot of scripture. Here we go. I'm so sorry that I did not get these scriptures to Russ because he would have had them up there, but I didn't give them to them. So just write this down in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 32. Remember how I told you that family creates baggage and causes pain? Are y'all still there? Okay. This is a passage that's used a lot. It's in scripture. It's 100% true. And, and some of you are going to feel some pain when I read it because of things you've experienced. Are you good? I'm giving you a lot of disclaimers, but I want to make sure that we don't dishonor the word just because we've struggled. It's um, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 32, and here's what it says. As soon as I say the first word, you're going to be like, oh, here we go. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, some of you clenched right away, right? You've already felt it. You're like, oh, mm, he, he better not go there, right? I, I get it. I get it. Hang with me. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Her, by the way, is the church. 
cleansing her, the church, by the washing with water through the word, and to present her church to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, verse 29, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. This passage of Scripture has been used to make sure women obey their husbands. To make sure that marriages are healthy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the point of this isn't good spouses. The goal of this passage is a pure bride. Did you miss all that? See, some of you got, you got caught up in the submit part and the love as, as Jesus loves the church. And you missed these important words. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Just as Christ does the church. It's a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church, not your marriage. These are principles that definitely apply to marriage. And so if you had a wedding ceremony and the pastor read that for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, like that's a good thing to read at a, a wedding, but it's not actually in the context of a wedding. It's in the context of God wants to have a pure bride. Jesus is preparing the church to be what we just read. Family is to be a picture of the kingdom, not a proof against it. The fact that many of us in the room can say things, we don't usually say them out loud, we just keep them in our head. We can say things in our head like, well, I just can't believe that God's a good God because he's supposed to be a father, but my father was terrible. The fact that we can say that grieves the father God. Because he gave family as, as proof, something to point people to who he is, not as proof to point them away. He wants what we just read. Family is part of God's purpose. Now, I'm reading a book called A Time to Build by Bob Gladstone, and he had these things to say. I'm going to read you three quotes about the passage we just read in Ephesians chapter 5. He writes this. Paul dares to declare that husbands and wives in apostolic churches have the power to prophesy God's love story to the world. Truly robust Christian households, anchored especially in the husband's love for his wife, have the power to embody God's eternal purpose on earth. What a massive privilege. What an unfathomable responsibility. Second statement about this passage. The sheer placement of this instruction calculated by Paul reinforces both the deep need for healthy families in the church as well as the very nature of the church itself. Church was never meant to be a ministry company that meets for services every week. The church is first and foremost a family. A New Testament church is a community held together by organic covenant just as a human body is held together by organic matter. It is only as a family that the church fulfills God's eternal purpose. Last quote, God's grand scheme demands a people committed to embody the gospel of Jesus Christ as a spiritual family and to proclaim the gospel from that culture, that culture of family, 
Let me give you some scriptures just so you know that Bob Gladstone wasn't making it up, and he wasn't because, anyway. Psalm 68.6, again, if you're taking notes, jot these scriptures down. Psalm 68.6, you'll hear this a lot during this series. God sets the lonely in families. We try to set the lonely in community groups, right? Hey, you should come to church with me. That's a good thing. You should have quiet time, a good thing. You should listen to Bethel worship or whatever worship you like, all good things. But God doesn't set the lonely in programs. He sets them in families. Family is the purpose of the kingdom. Galatians 6 verse 10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the, listen to this language, household of the faith. Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our old, to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So Psalm 68, 6, he sets lonely in families. Galatians 6, 10 says that we're supposed to do good to those, especially those in the household of faith. And in Hebrews 3, 6 says that Jesus is the leader of the house of faith. This is all family language, right? You see that? So family is part of God's purpose. The third point, salvation places us in a new family with new ways of living. Remember when I talked to you about, um, you have like your family of origin, you know, you have a certain way of doing things, and then your spouse's family of origin has a certain way of doing things, and it's kind of like when two tidal waves come together, it's a real mess in the middle. Um, Christmas and Thanksgiving are coming up, right? We all tend to, we're all raised in families, and we have Thanksgiving and Christmas traditions. Um, some of y'all, your family tradition at holidays is last man standing, right? I mean, like we're going to have a fight, knock out, drag out, but last one wins, right? Um, some of y'all, it's like, you know, the Christmas jammies, you're going to coordinate it. I mean, we all have different things. Can you imagine if you were raised in a family that does Christmas on Christmas Eve? Who, who does Christmas on Christmas Eve? Anybody? I mean, like you open, like. You act as if Christmas morning is Christmas Eve. You with me? You're wrong, but I mean, whatever. I'm just trying to identify you. And then, but so let's say you're raised that way, but then you marry somebody who always does it on Christmas morning. It's going to be a little bit of a conversation, right? I said the word conversation, but you'll have a fight, right? And, and you won't say things like, no, no, I prefer to open presents on Christmas Eve. What you will say is, Christmas is opening presents on Christmas Eve. And they're like, no, it's Christmas morning. Um, imagine this. Imagine that you're the person, you can tell I've got Christmas on my mind. You're the person who shops, and I want to identify you because this is something to applaud. You shop for people for Christmas all year long. Who does that? Man, look at y'all. Be proud, put your hands up. Because the rest of us are like, we want you to shop for us, right? Please. Like, you shop all year long, so you've got the stuff. It's, it's, like, packaged and wrapped and ready to go. And you marry somebody who doesn't buy anything for Christmas until after Christmas because things go on sale. Right? Do you see, I'm, I'm trying to point here is, like, when you're, when you're placed into a new family with a new way of doing the things that you did a certain way, there's a little bit of friction. Are you with me? 
it's the whole over the top or under the bottom of the toilet paper thing, right? Or squeezing a tube in the middle for toothpaste or rolling it up. Some of y'all are laughing because you, like, you do it a certain way and you know you're married to people that do it wrong, right? It's non-negotiable. Salvation places us in a new family. Okay, so let's check this out. Here's some scriptures. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now, you know, I read scripture a certain way and like certain words jump out to me. I read that and go, that's a powerful statement, right? But consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You're not outsiders, but you're fellow citizens with God's people. Like, why didn't Paul just stop there? That's a good statement. Like, you were outside and now you're inside. But he said, and also, and so those words just jump out at me. Wait, there's something else that he needs to add. To, like what's already really good, he needs to add one more thing. And what's that one more thing? You're also members of his household. You're not just inside. You're in the family. Right? Salvation places us in a new family. Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. I had a moment when I was reading that verse. I was like, I, was, I got on Google. I was like, the Bible's not, that word's not, that's not right. Because all I've ever heard is that we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Anybody ever heard that? No kingdom of darkness. Just dominion. He says, and these are two different Greek words, dominion of darkness and kingdom, not of light, but of the son he loves. Like we've heard this wrong. We didn't go from one kingdom to the other kingdom. We went from being slaves to being loved. It's a big difference. You're in the family, the kingdom of the son that he loves. So salvation places us in a new family. But that new family has new ways of living, right? New ways of doing things. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, God's still waiting on some of us to live that out, right? Right? When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. There is a, there's, a, there's a need to grow up in the church, to grow up in the family. Come on, parents. You've had this conversation with your kids, right? When it went from I'm making your bed to show you how it's done to we're making the bed together to you're making the bed, please, God, make them make the bed, and I'm going to watch, to I don't have to remind you to make the bed. Some of you are like, I married somebody whose parents didn't do that, right? Like at some point, you don't have to be told to take the trash out because you can smell it, and you know that your legs work, right? Because <laughs> some of y'all are like, keep preaching, Paul. This is good marriage counseling, Right? You're like, is he, is he listening to this? Because his legs are working. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a point where we need to grow up. And part of being in family is 
this culture of growing up. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's like, look, it's cool to be a child. And when I was a child, I talked like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And here's why. Verse 12, the first word of verse 12 is for. And what that means is everything I just said in verse 11, I said it because of what I'm getting ready to say in verse 12. I used to be a child. I thought like a child. I talked like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And they said, why, Paul? And he said, for now. We see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Probably because I've been in leadership in church for a long time and also been alive all that time as a human being, I've noticed that the last statement is something that we really struggle with. We struggle with knowing fully and being fully known. So sometimes in church, we want to we treat it kind of corporate, right? Like, hey, my family is going to come to church together, but my family is going to sit in church next to and around other families, but we're never going to be a family. Because I don't, I don't think I want them to really know my family. What if they knew all the crazy in my family? Right? Would they go tell other families? Some of you have been hurt in church because they got to know the crazy in your family, and then they prayed about it with other people. So we come to church, we do church, but we aren't the church, right? Because we want to protect ourselves. And what Paul's saying is, like, that's kind of, I hope you're okay with me saying this, that's just kind of childish. But when you grow up, you put away those childish things. Why? Because we are living in light of eternity. And this is the part where I need to ask you the question. And, and I want you to know that before I even ask you the question that we, I have prayed over this. We've had people that have prayed on Wednesday nights about this. Like there's, I've prayed that this morning there would be a weightiness to this question that would bypass the church brain that says, well, I've heard that a million times, and so it must, I must already know the answer. But in light of all that we've talked about, the way that, that family matters in the kingdom, I have to ask you this question are you in the family? Not are you in the church, but are you in the family? Paul said in the verses we just read, then we will see face to face, then we will be fully known. And I want you to know this, that the then is a lot sooner than we realize. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you, and then I'm going to, I need to get a couple of volunteers. Um, and by the way, so you don't panic, because I know when I say volunteers, people are like, oh, my gosh, what's he going to do? He's got plastic on the floor. He's going to, like, it's Nickelodeon, slime zone, right? You, your clothes won't get messed up. I just need, I'm going to need two volunteers in a minute just to pick this plastic up and just hold it. So if your arms work, right, just hold it. Like, just, that's all I need you to do. Not now, in just a minute. So let me read a couple verses to you. Are we in the family? Are you in the family? Those of you that are in the room, those of you that watch this online, are you in the family? The Bible talks about, about judging ourselves, right? 
Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And so that's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. And what I'm asking the Lord to do, what I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do is, number one, convict some of us in the room that we might not actually be in the family. I don't have time to go into it, but you know that parable about the lost coin? Do you remember that parable? And the man, like, swept the house to try to find the coin. Where was the coin lost? In the house. That's where we are. We have this thing of, like, well, if I'm in church, I'm, I'm good, right? You can be in the house and not in the family. And so I'm asking the Holy Spirit to start to, to deal with our hearts. Like, am I in the family? Have I really trusted Jesus with my eternity? And then for those of us that say, yeah, that's, I am in the family, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit in the next five minutes would begin to, to reveal to us how close we are to eternity because it will change the way we live. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I just jotted down this statement. We should number our days because we don't know the number of our days. In other words, if we knew, I mean, if you knew you had five days to live, at some point in those five days, surely you would prepare for it. But if we think we got all the time in the world, we just put that off, right? We have to number our days, know that our time is limited so that we will be ready whenever those number of days is over. 1 Peter 4, 17 says, it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And that's why we're starting the series this way. Because I'm not preaching the series to them. We're talking about God's family, right? And so I'm looking at a room full of people, and I'm just asking the question, are you in the family? Now, can I get two volunteers, please? And the band's going to come, too. Are y'all just so thankful to see two more people got up? <laughs> oh, man, we got some. Is this going to mess everything up? I hope not. Dun, dun, dun. Y'all just step right up there towards the front with that. Yeah, you're doing great. And if you'll just actually just hold that part up. Yeah, perfect. And that could just, it's just, just like it is, it's perfect. Okay, so now y- y'all can play something nice while I get my blade out. <laughs> Oh, come on. That's sweet, isn't it? Do you know what he just said? I hope it's sharp. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Now, okay. Eternity. Teach us to number our days. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man, which is why when you have a conversation with people about eternity, they might not, they might not like it, but it resonates. Right? But here's what I want you to see. We're testing it? Okay. Now we see, can you hold up a little bit higher? Now we see through a glass dimly. I I can see you. I I made out Cecil. But past that row, I can't really tell. I'm guessing you can't see me quite as clearly as I was before. That's where we live now, y'all. We see through a glass dimly. And we believe that everything on this side of the glass is what's real. 
and that I've got all the time in the world. You know what I think we believe? We've convinced ourselves that there's a brick wall about this thick between us and eternity. And I can live any old way I want. I can bang up against that wall anytime I want, and it's never going to give. I can party. And, and again, this is, about, this is about lifestyle, right? I want you to hear me clearly. Before you come to know Jesus, your lifestyle doesn't matter. All that matters is have you come to Jesus, right? But if you claim to be in Christ, your life is the fruit. That should cause us to have a little bit of a weighty moment, right? Because if I'm doing whatever the heck I want back here, while I tell people I love Jesus, I love Jesus, then what I'm doing is I'm living as if I'm never going to go on the other side of that veil. I'm not the only one in this room who has seen that veil puncture. And it happens so quickly, y'all. Sometimes slower than quickly. Do you know, this is fun. Do you know that one year ago today, I stood right there and I got a text from my stepmother that read, today your dad and I tested positive for COVID. My dad, 82 years old, healthy as an ox and was dead less than three weeks later, three weeks later. This is not a brick wall. It's a veil. We just heard Alex testify about Nehemiah who was a huge part of this church and he died just over a year ago. Healthy as an ox. You could get in your car today, pull out of that church parking lot because I've seen people drive and die. It's a veil. It's not a brick wall. And you don't have nearly as much time as you think you do before you're on this side. And I'm telling you, on this side, we're going to see things clearly. And when we see things clearly, we're either going to have a heart full of worship or a heart full of regret. And what makes hell, hell is that you're going to spend the rest of your life eternally thinking about all the time you had over here to get right and get ready. And you'll have all of eternity with no time to get right or get ready. You'll spend the rest of your life. I don't know how y'all are. I've been to counseling to deal with regrets over things I have and haven't done in this life. I can't even imagine spending eternity regretting the time I wasted over here, not getting ready for here. And there's a whole city full of people, y'all, that could die tonight and go from here to here. And when they get on this side and they see us on this side and they know we didn't tell them about Jesus in eternity, you know what they're going to say? How could you not tell me about this? I couldn't even see it was really coming, but you knew, and you didn't tell me? Like, if our whole goal is to be in the family and not help others get in the family, we're missing the point. And I just want you to know that you and I don't have as much time as we think. And it can end like that. And can you imagine, y'all, in the blink of an eye, 
standing in front of a God that you didn't think existed in an eternity that you didn't think was real. Can you, do you feel that weight? Can you imagine the pit in your stomach as you realize, oh, snap, everything they said was true, and I can't do a thing about it now. And in his mercy, in his mercy, you're in a chair right now hearing us talk about this and not having to experience it yet. So that you can examine yourself and say, God, am I in the family today? Not am I in church? Not am I doing all the right things? Am I in the family? Have I trusted the work of Jesus on the cross for my eternity? Thanks, y'all. Did great. Would you close your eyes just so that you have some space to think? And I don't want you to be distracted, okay? Not because you're ashamed, just so that you can process. The only part of that illustration that breaks down is how hard it was for me to cut through that plastic. But I'm telling you, when eternity comes to you, it will not be that long. It will literally be in the blink of an eye. And I'm asking you right now to examine yourself. Are you in the family? And if you're not, you're not sure, then let's make that right today. Let's start this series with you in the family. You're in this room, and that's you. I'm just asking you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm not sure. I want to make sure. Thank you so much. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. And again, this is not about being afraid. But I'm telling you, there's something sober that comes when we begin to think about eternity, yes? Listen, if you raise your hand just now, I'm going to ask you to be courageous, and I'm going to ask you just to stand where you are and come down to the front so we can pray. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to stand up and come to the front. And I get it, man. That will make your heart start pounding. But I promise you, the pounding of the heart is on one side of the veil. Now we're coming to the other side. Thank you. Come on. Just come on. Can I get some of my prayer team to come and stand behind these that have come? There's still time for you to come as well right the whole point of family in the kingdom is to prepare a bride that is pure and spotless and can stand without shame in front of her groom Jesus that's the point
Let me, Ephesians 2.19, we read it earlier. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. That's what's happening here, right? Fellow citizens with God's people. But that's the verse that Paul said. I need to add one more thing to it, right? But you're also members of the household of faith. And so my second call is to those of us that are in the faith, right? We're in the faith, but we never really saw the faith as family. So we've kind of done this private thing where we just kind of hang out with our people, but nobody else. Listen, what's going to usher in revival in this city is family of faith, right? And so my call now is to those of you who have not lived as if the kingdom is about family, but you have lived as if the kingdom is about you. Man, this is the time to make that right. God, give me, give me wisdom to number my days so that I can live in light of eternity. So that I won't waste this, the moments I stand in line at Walmart, DMV, JCPenney, grocery store, whatever. Like, help me to number my days so that I can recognize that eternity is just beyond that veil. So church... If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. Like you're rededicating yourself back to Jesus right now. Like I'm not content to just have an American experience of Christianity. I'm actually going to lean into the family of the kingdom, right? I'm going to lean into the family of the kingdom. I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. Thank you for those of you who already are. Thank you. Just stand up. Well, we're going to pray for you as well. We're going to pray that you leave this room aware of eternity ready to be used by God for eternity. That's what we're praying for right now. So God, all around the room, those that have stood, would y'all just raise your hands? God, I'm praying in Jesus' name that you would mark us in this series, God, as people who are not content to just do an individual Christian thing, but as people who see family as part of the kingdom. It was your good purpose to take the lonely and place them in family it was your good purpose who didn't just want to rescue us from darkness but also make us members of your household 
It was your good purpose to let Jesus be the head of that household. And so, God, we are right now, one, we're, we're confessing and repenting of seeing things as if we were the ones that were the hero of the story. As if we were the ones that it mattered about the most. And we recognize, God, that you are doing something collective in this place and in your kingdom. That your kingdom is a collection of people in a family. And we bring our lives to that. We give our lives to that. And I pray, God, that you would birth in the gathering a hunger and a drive and a fire that eternity is coming and it is so close God that we would live our lives with an awareness of how close we are to the veil that separates here and now from there and forever yeah yeah and now church can we all just stand together Let's just sing this together. Just just a, a moment with the Lord, just as a family. Come on. Just put your hand on your heart and say, mark me. Say, mark me, God, for eternity. Mark me, God, as a messenger of your eternity. God, that everywhere I go, I would, my motivation would see people in the family. God, we read it in Ephesians. You were not content to be far away, but you came and abolished a wall between us and you. And now you're abolishing the wall between us and one another so that we might be members of your household. So we, we lay aside our preconceived ideas of what family is and is supposed to be, God, and we sit at your feet in this series. We're making ourselves available 
to understand how you see family and that you would mark us, God, in this generation, in this place, in this city, as family in your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.